Welcome to the Take 30 Podcast. I'm your host, Lily Jones, and this is a bittersweet occasion. It is our last podcast of the semester. I am genuinely going to miss creating these. I feel like I was just starting to put in my own creative flair, and I've been talking to so many interesting people about so many interesting things, I'll miss having an excuse to grill people about their fields of expertise. But I digress. This week I am out of town for several reasons, one of which will be later revealed, so these interviews may not have the sound quality you have become accustomed to, and I apologize for that. This week, I spoke with reporter Calvin Ritchie about the Lowndes County Library's Edible Book Showcase and Take 30 reporter Cody Blazak about the West Point Animal Shelter. Our special guest this week is the live music of one Miss Taylor Swift. We do not own this music and we are using it for the purposes of discussion. Welcome to the Take 30 Pod. As an avid reader, I often imagined myself right alongside my favorite characters, seeing what they see, doing what they do, and eating what they eat. One library in Mississippi is bringing these fantastical foods out of the pages and into this dimension. Our reporter Calvin Ritchie went to cover this story. The annual book festival made its way back to the Columbus Lounge Public Library. Essentially, with an edible book, you take a book that you're interested in, your favorite book, and you recreate either the title, the theme, a character from that book, and you recreate that in food. There were 16 entries this year spanning from many different book genres, from fantasies like Harry Potter to nonfiction titles like Life of a Colossus, Caesar. And um, we started in 2017, and it's just gotten bigger and bigger every year. The Columbus Public Library not only wants to encourage people to start reading, but also to express their creativity through bacon and cooking. Elmer Keaton. And it allows people to come together as um, a community and to share their interest in either books or the um, interest in creating something from food or cooking, baking, that type of thing. To learn more about the Columbus Lounge Public Library, you can visit their website at loungelibrary.com. For Take 30 News, I'm Calvin Ritchie. So my name is uh, Calvin Ritchie, and this week I reported on the Edible Book Festival that occurred at the Columbus and Lowndes Public Library. I thought that this story was so fun, and when I originally saw the slug for it, I actually thought that they were making edible books. But um, much to my surprise, it was like actual recipes or, in some cases, puns from the book. I saw in your package that someone brought donut holes for the book, Holes. Um, and so my question to you is, if there was any fictional food that you could have, no matter how improbable, what would it be? Ooh, okay, so that's actually a really good question. Um, you know, I've thought about this a lot, and I'm going to give you a really off-the-wall answer. So when I was growing up, one of my favorite shows, like really, really little, I'm talking like infants, uh, one of my favorite shows was always the, the Teletubbies and I know we're kind of going off this like book track thing. I know, I know that my packet's about books, but I, I really this like this is the first thing that came to mind when you said this is, um, you know, one of the recurring like, uh, I guess like items that was always in 
the the TV show The Teletubbies was was Tubby Toast, and it always looked amazing to me. And so I guess like if if I were to be able to eat anything like uh, fictional food wise, it would definitely have to be Tubby Toast from The Teletubbies. What is Tubby Toast? To be honest, I'm not 100% sure, but I remember it's like these small little like circles. They have like smiley faces in them and like they were like the Teletubbies favorite food. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Kind of like the, the happy face like potato nuggets that you get in middle school. A little bit. Yeah. Kind of that same concept. Yeah. Um, so was this a competition or was it a showcase? Yeah, it was like a competition and a showcase. So a lot of people brought in their like food dishes to bring them off as like and like to showcase like their talents and their abilities. Because we saw some really beautiful artwork that was done like through food. We saw I saw a, you know a really amazing loaf of like focaccia bread. Um, someone made this like orange dragon cake with the dragon was like airbrushed. It looked like it was you know some really fantastic stuff. It was a showcase, but there was also like a place where people could vote on like which ones their favorite was. Okay, that's cool. Do you know if there's a prize? Um, I am not 100% sure, but that's something I could figure out. Um, well, do you know who won? Um, I also do not know who won, no. Oh, well, that's okay. I mean, like, it's still, it's still going on right now, isn't it? Or? No, it just ran that one day. It ran Tuesday from, uh, 10 o'clock to 4 o'clock. Okay, so if you want to participate, you got to be quick. Yeah. Do they do this at the same time every year? I believe so. They said it was part of their national, like, because this week is National Library Week. And so I believe it's part of their National Library Week, like, uh, you know, table of events. Interesting. And if you want to participate next year, what is their website? Uh, so I'll have to look it back up again. I don't remember it off the top of my head, but I believe it is the, I believe it's loungepubliclibrary.com. Um, but you know how easy the internet is nowadays. If oh, you yeah. just go onto Google and just search Columbus Lounge Public Library, it'll pop right up. Okay. Well, cool. Thank you very much. That was a very exciting story, and it's so much different than a lot of the things that we get to cover. So, Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I had a lot of fun really filming this one, so I was, I was excited uh, to get the opportunity to film something a lot more fun and you know upbeat, and you know, hopefully the community will enjoy. Well, I hope that they had a very successful event, and I hope that everybody really enjoys your story. So thank you for coming yeah. on today. Oh, thanks for having me. Every year, hundreds of animals go into shelters. We saw a spike in homeless pets in America after the COVID pandemic because the animals that people adopted in quarantine suddenly became too much when they had to return to work and could travel and go out again. Mississippi is one of the poorest states in the country, and we have little spare funding to go to taking care of homeless animals. Take 30 reporter Cody Blazak traveled to West Point to cover the story of one shelter making a difference against all odds. The West Point Clay County Animal Shelter is on a mission to give homeless and abused animals a better life. Well, I think the goal is to help save the abandoned, the neglected, the, the homeless, and, you know, bring them back to life here and get them better homes. Not, not better homes, great homes. And also teach people how to become better pet people, like be better pet parents. All animals who enter the shelter are spayed or neutered to help prevent overpopulation and to hopefully stop more animals from ending up homeless. Any sort of donations, um, if you have old sheets, you know, always just keep us in mind. Uh, cleaning supplies, um, dog food, uh, bring in your time here um, and, and walking the dogs or socializing the kittens. 
volunteers have the opportunities to come in and play with the animals, or they can even take them on walks. If you care at all about the animals, if you care at all about the animal kingdom, if you want to make this world a better place, if you want to stop the suffering, the endless breeding, um, you got to spay and neuter. It's the only thing that's ever going to make a change. To get involved or volunteer, you can visit the West Point Clay County Animal Shelter, or for more information, you can visit their website at WPCCAS.com. For Take 30 News, I'm Cody Blazak. Cody Blazak. I was a reporter this week for Take 30 News, and I did my story on the West Point uh, Clay County Animal Shelter. What was it that made you want to pursue this story? Um, I I, I love animals. Um, I have a dog myself, and um, sometimes animal shelters really don't get like the recognition that they deserve and people some people really don't know about them and realize like all the things they do for animals and that even like the general population can help um i mean you can just go volunteer for an hour and you might make an animal's day and you might end up taking one home um but i just i think advocating for animals that don't have the lives that people's pets do is is important I agree, and I have been, myself, I've been volunteering with Grassroots Animal Rescue for several years, and the problems that we have in Mississippi, one of the biggest ones, is that we don't have enough resources. So there are so many animals that are going just unchecked, unfed, unspayed, unneutered, and they are just running around, and that is where we are finding Many of our animals is they are stray or feral. Um, so what I want to ask you is what resources is the West Point is the oh God, it was West Point, right? Yes. What is the West Point animal shelter providing in terms of resources for people who are currently pet owners? Do they have a a spay and neuter van? Because I know we have one of those in Starkville. Yeah, so at West Point, all of the animals that come in that are either rescued or uh, taken in are all spayed and neutered to prevent an even more overpopulation because there already is a pretty large overpopulation of uh, specifically cats and dogs. Um, but yeah, they do that. Uh, so more animals like the ones that are already in animal shelters um, don't. So it doesn't keep happening, essentially. It just limits the amount of animals. And everybody loves animals, but it gets to a point where there aren't enough people in the world who either want animals or they can't afford it. Um, I mean, I know people do what they can, but sometimes there's just an overpopulation, and that, that leads to some rough lives and uh, rough quality of lives for these pets. Yeah, I I understand. Is there a mobile unit for spaying and neutering, or do they just do it all at the shelter? I believe it's just all done at the shelter, but I do not know for a fact. Okay. What else is Mississippi struggling with in terms of animal care besides overpopulation? 
I'm not. I'm not necessarily sure. There's there's a struggle with it from from what I know, but I, I think the biggest thing is the overpopulation and all these animals you find on the streets and everything. It's it's either they've been neglected or there were some wild dogs, for instance, that ended up breeding, and now there's twelve more puppies that just don't have anyone to look over them because there were uh, their parents essentially were already homeless and. I mean, these animal shelters are able to find them uh, on the side of the road, for example, and able to bring them up uh, to where they're located. And um, I mean, they get taken care of. They go. They get to go outside. Volunteers can take them on walks. They get fed, um, and then eventually, hopefully, that leads to someone coming in and adopting an animal. And uh, you ask me, that's as close as you can get to saving an animal's life. I know that the woman that you were interviewing talked a little bit about what we can do. Can you go more in depth about that? Yeah, so uh, the West Point Animal Clinic, uh, to her, and when you think about it, it really does make a lot of sense. Uh, the number one thing you should do with animals nowadays or stay in them just because of the overpopulation. Um, I did a little bit of research, and from what I found, there are about 70 million uh, homeless cats and dogs and when you think about it i mean it's a lot but the estimated population of the united states is around 365 million um so you would think it's about one one animal per every five ish uh person Mm -hmm. but the issue is people not everybody wants pets like i grew up in a house with my parents it's not that they didn't want pets. It's just we were so busy all the time, we didn't have time for them. And it's not holding anything against uh, people like that. I, it's the lifestyle they choose. But if you are lucky enough to be able to have a pet, it needs to be spayed or neutered. So if it does come in contact with another uh, dog or cat, for example, that isn't spayed or neutered, you don't have to deal with seven other dogs or however many um it has and you just limit the overpopulation um and then other things at west point i mean they accept volunteers at all times to help them out um the dogs i mean those animals very much love when people come in and either play with them or take them for walks they just love seeing people um and then obviously donations are accepted and supplies um, that can help out, whether they're uh, leashes, harnesses, toys, uh, food, any of that helps them out. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, and I hope that your work covering the animal shelter leads to at least some of those animals getting new homes and the shelter getting a little bit more help. Yep, I do too. I hope uh, I hope people take initiative and either if they've been wanting an animal and haven't gotten one yet to go out and adopt and help one that's in need per se or at least try and help out the animal shelter somehow.
The full scope of successes that bejewel Taylor Swift's 17-year-long career cannot fully be understood and described by sentimentalities, so I will quote directly from Forbes. The Eras Tour is projected to become the highest-grossing female tour, according to Billboard Box Score. With a projected $591 million in ticket sales, Swift would dethrone Madonna's 2008-2009 Sticky and Sweet Tour, which grossed $407 million. That number would place Swift fourth on the list of highest-grossing concert tours, according to Billboard which is led by Elton John's ongoing Farewell Yellow Brick Tour, which has grossed $817 million as of January. I waited until after the concert to stand in line for merch. I picked up a t-shirt for the low, low price of $49. Not that Taylor needs my money, of course, but I'd like something to remember the night by, considering I did spend almost $100 on tickets. So what better way to commemorate the event than by spending even more money? As I stood there, feeling silly but very giddy, I struck up a conversation with the girl to my left. She had almost entirely lost her voice from screaming and was a little deaf. We ended up communicating mainly through her notes app. At one point, I asked her, in preparation for this podcast, what the appeal was. She took a second and seemed to really think about it. Now, I didn't take a picture of the note she passed me, so this is a paraphrase, but it went something along the lines of, Beyond the music and the tours and the merchandise is a community of people. A community of mostly young female people, all of whom are sharing similar life experiences, similar struggles, all of whom are brought together by the mass appeal of Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift is a cultural phenomenon the likes of which I may not see again in my lifetime. She has ushered me through so many different phases of my existence that many of her songs carry deep personal meaning. But what is her massive appeal? Why does she draw hundreds of thousands and inspire such ferocious love and loyalty from her fans? I want to explore these questions without resorting to the same misogynistic tropes that have followed Taylor throughout her career. Friday night, I climbed the steps of the Marta behind a small crowd of 20-something girls in glittering costumes. I went to this concert by myself, my friends all busy or attending the concert in another city. I was wearing a hot leather jacket to avoid unwanted attention, but I soon learned that I never needed to worry. The small throng grew quickly into a mass of girls who, just like me, were wearing mesh tops and sequins and bedazzled eyeshadow. I have never considered myself an overly emotional person, despite definitely being one. I try to remain practical and level-headed, but when I tell you that I was an absolute fountain before that first song was even finished, I'm not exaggerating. What is it about Taylor and her art that can elicit such a reaction from thousands of people, millions even? 
I think that being a human is a little overwhelming sometimes. Now that I am old enough to really reflect and get to know myself, I find that I am host to all sorts of complexities that I feel I could never accurately depict, not with a dance, not in my journal, and not with any amount of words. Something about Taylor's work is so thrilling and yet so comforting. It says, you are not alone. You out there in the crowd of tens of thousands filling this stadium, I'm talking to you. Now, if I want to separate myself as a media analyst rather than just a fan, I would say that Taylor is a blank canvas and a wise creator. Over the years, she has created a world within our world for her fans. Her expansive discography is still highly relevant thanks to both her re-recordings and her commitment to creating immersive visuals and extra content for fans. She also provides an outlet for the processing and expression of both complex and simple emotions. People see themselves in her, in the way that she sings about love and heartbreak and the perils of growing up. She becomes a conduit for people to approach the difficulties of their own lives. As I stood in that crowd, tears streaming down my face, staring up at Taylor on the billboard, I realized that for many of her songs, I didn't have a person or situation I could apply. I am 22 to her 33, and she seems so infinitely wise and experienced. When I was 11, listening to her sing about being 15, I could imagine myself as this precocious teenager. But now as her music has gotten much more complex, I realize I can't relate. But I know that as I keep getting older and life inevitably keeps happening to me, I will be able to understand and apply her work in new and deeper ways. Wherever I am, I know she's waiting for me somewhere. The Take 30 podcast is a production of Mississippi State University and of the Take 30 newscast. You can catch the newscast live at 4 p.m. every Friday on Facebook Live and on your TV on Channel 96. You can also find older episodes on our YouTube. I've been your host, Lily Dupier, and I'll see you next week.